leadership conference. Mm -hmm. I have some questions for you here, and we'll, we'll go off them as well. Okay. Um, the first one, it says that you are a vocational Christian worker at a complementarian PCA church. Uh-huh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see are some of the blind spots of the complementarian church, and what are some beauties of the complementarian church? So blind spots and mm -hmm. beauties. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like a little bit of a loaded question, but <laughs> um, just like I mentioned earlier today in the uh, panel, I do think when um, in the complementarian church, the there's not a partnership, but it's just more like a, a dominance of one group over the other when, um, you know, with good intentions, but kind of assuming the perspective of the other and not listening and hearing them out. And there's decisions made without listening to the women in your church, um, I do think that's a huge blind spot. Um, that means there's half of your church that you don't get to understand their perspective, what they're experiencing, what their opinions are, what kind of wisdom they have to share. And so I do think that's a huge blind spot. Um, but on the flip side, I think when it's done well, I think when there is a partnership, when um, men and women can work together, and even when the elders and the pastors who are the decision makers, they listen to the perspective of the women and hear from them and gain from them um, like their wisdom too, um, I think that's when you have better decisions made for the entirety of the church. And that's when I think you really reflect God's image in a fuller way, man and woman. You're absolutely right. That was a loaded question. Yeah, a little <laughs> I bit, yeah. I want to know about your story then. Okay. I want to know about um, you know, your testimony growing up. Were you always complimentary? <laughs> you born as a complimentary. <laughs> um, and I guess, uh -huh. I guess ultimately, yeah, how'd you end up in your position? Yeah, you know, um, I don't really think I knew what complementarianism was growing up. And I think there's a lot of people who still don't really know, right? Um, and so... I think a lot of our Korean American immigrant churches are just complementarian by design. No matter, you know, they, without saying this is our theology here or there, um, I just think there's a lot of cultural um, implications there, um, a lot of presuppositions there in terms of like being Korean American. And so I think I just grew up thinking that um, women don't do much in the church except for maybe you know, hospitality, being in the kitchen, serving, which is all important things, but um, when it came to like teaching or being on stage and leading worship in any way or having any kind of visible leadership position, I didn't really grow up seeing that as an option, especially when it came to any kind of um, more of like a meaningful teaching role. I didn't see any women in that. Um, so I actually, I didn't know that women could even go to seminary and be trained until I went to college and um, I went to a church where the pastor's wife was, we, we also called her a pastor, you know, she also went to seminary and she was trained in that way and she taught us and she was so knowledgeable and she just had this really big vision for the word guiding your life like she was one of the few people that I met where any kind of issue or problem I had and I would come to her she could point me back to scripture and help me to understand my life and the world through um, really like a biblical worldview and so that was really the first time where I realized like oh like women can learn this stuff and teach this stuff too and so that's when I first started thinking maybe that's something I want to do yeah <laughs> I remember we talked about that before, and I yeah. think it's a beautiful story, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and now, 
you're getting asked to because <laughs> you're the one doing the teaching. Yeah. Like, what does this mean to you to be able to, to have this? Um, is it a responsibility that you feel? <laughs> I mean, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think I still feel really um, unqualified, to be honest, and um, unprepared in a lot of these situations. And um, I do think sometimes I feel like, it's because there's just not a lot of other women who are in my position, right? Um, but I think on the flip side of that, especially my senior pastor, he's always encouraging me and challenging me and pushing me to think of it, well, you have a privilege, you have this special opportunity where you're really supported and you are getting trained. And so, like, take that and feel that responsibility, right? He challenges me a little bit in that way. And he's, you know, um, don't give up those opportunities easily and to be there and to be visible so that, other, especially Asian American women, can see and know that, oh, like this is something I can do too. And there are women out there who can teach me and um, teach me the Bible, and I, that's something I can do too. Yeah. Well, I want to encourage you. I think you do a great job. <laughs> Thank you. you know? <laughs> like I said, I don't want to pigeonhole you to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you do a great job. Thank you. Um, here's, here's one. It says, what, um, what would you say to women leaders within the church who may feel unheard okay so i guess it's yeah. talking along, along the same line yeah encourage them to um i i'm sure there are more women in, who work in churches who feel unheard than heard <laughs> presently i think especially in asian american ch churches as well um and i think one encouragement would be um to be to break out of the mold and don't not be afraid of that um, i think often um i find that some women can feel unheard, but they don't realize that um, they are allowed to speak up about certain things or that oftentimes their pastors don't even know they're feeling that way because it's just been the norm for so many people and no one's ever broken out of that. Um, there, I've had multiple conversations where I would share how I'm feeling about something or how I perceive something and my pastor was shocked. He just never considered that, you know, women on his staff could feel that way or that this was possible. And so I think, um, yeah, I would say give your pastor the benefit of the doubt um, and be bold and, you know, be gracious, but um, speak up and, you know, share how you are feeling, share, um, you know, your perspective because it's an important perspective. And I think it's really hard for us to believe that our perspective is important, especially as Asian American women, we are often, um, you know, wanting to hide, wanting not to be in the limelight, um, wanting to do the background work, but I think um, it's not, it's not being pr prideful because you share your perspective. I think it's, it's worth thinking that my perspective is valuable to my pastor and um, I want to share those things and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, what's your official uh, role at your church again? Yeah, so I do youth ministry and then I oversee a uh, ministry called Christ Central Institute, which is um, like our adult education ministry. Can we talk about that? Yeah. I, okay, the, the video that, that we we stole from you to come on solo was, <laughs> yeah. was when you, you spoke to the youth, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have the title right here, How to Talk About Anti-Asian Racism with Our Youth. Yes. Right? Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, where, where youth ministry is very important, obviously. Mm -hmm. So for you to talk to youth about these issues, mm -hmm. can you encourage, um, you know, the, the, the watchers, um, how, how can they invest in their youth to speak to these issues, right? Because they're getting... Yeah. Uh, they're getting info from the world, right? About, they really are. Right, mm -hmm. about stuff, so mm -hmm. how can you speak to that? And then you can also talk about the institute too and how, how that plays a role, if it does or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think with youth ministry, um, 
you know, one of the things I think about all, a lot is just kind of like long term, right? Like I, I want to think of how can I help my students um, be plugged into the church, into the life of the church, and to be invested in their faith for the long run. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is how I feel like it's not really youth programs, but at the end of the day, it's how do we help our students um, make sense of the things that they're experiencing and witnessing in their everyday life in light of the gospel, in, you know, with a biblical worldview. And I, when I think about, you know, my students are not going to go off to college and think, wow, like, I had a boring youth group experience, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. In fact, they're going to actually say, my roommate is openly gay, but he's the nicest person I've met. And I don't know how to make sense of that with what I've been taught at church. Or I'm seeing inherent racism, just blatant racism, and my church is not speaking against it. How do I make sense of that, right? And so it's these everyday issues that students are going to see that when they can't make sense of it because their church hasn't taught them how to make sense of it in a biblical worldview, that's when faith starts to deconstruct, right? That's what we see. And so um, I think my encouragement and challenge to youth workers is don't be afraid to address those issues. And in fact, um, of course, like at the heart of ministry is the gospel, right? At the end of the day, we are trying to help people come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. Um, but all of that will be clouded um, if we don't help our students to see that our scripture, the living word of God, is sufficient enough to answer the questions that we have about these issues. And um, I think when we don't give them these answers, um, they're going to think that the gospel is not sufficient, that the scripture is not sufficient. And so, um, yeah, I would say go for it. Um, don't be afraid and think of it as um, just a really important part of our youth ministry today. I think it's, um, it would be a, a disservice to our students if we didn't engage those topics. Yeah. Um, when, when you are speaking to the youth, mm -hmm. you're, you're, uh, I'm assuming it's a boys and girls. Male yeah. How do you like? How do you how do you approach these topics with the boys versus the girls? Is there a difference? Um, no, I try to just keep it pretty, this, like much the same. Okay. When I address the students, unless it's specific gender related issues, you know, sometimes I will do something separate. But um, overall, um, I try to just speak to them plainly and simply, the same. And I actually think that's intentional too, because I want our students, both boys and girls, to see that. Um, your female youth director can speak to you in a way that's the same as if a male pastor was speaking to you. There's no difference here. And so I think that's intentional on my end. Let, let's flip it again. Uh, what would you say to male leaders within the compliment? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now, getting out of the student mindset, going to the male leaders. I don't know why. I guess you can talk to female leaders too. What would you say <laughs> to female leaders in the church? Um, yeah, I guess to male leaders, um, it's the other side of what I said to the, the sisters, right, is that um, for the male leaders, please consider that your sisters have a different perspective. And then sometimes, um, I think many times, Asian American pastors, what they've experienced in their lives, what they've grown up with, and what's been the norm for them, oftentimes it lacks a female perspective because that's just historically what it's been. And so I think just for male leaders to consider that uh, your sisters on staff or, you know, volunteering with you, they may be feeling and thinking things that you have no idea. And so offer them a safe space to share what they're thinking, to share um, how they're feeling and ask for feedback about how ministry can uh, be done better at your church to serve both men and women. You've done several different types of things. 
do the panel talks, <laughs> uh, you do writing. <laughs> do you see that this, this ish, these issues, you know, common man, church, mm-hmm. church, and everything, um, how, how are they best addressed? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I mean, like, because there's a sense where, like, yeah, we can preach to the, the audience, mm-hmm. right, or the congregation. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, you can go to a conference like this, yeah. and you know that you're – you know, probably uh, people might feel the same way as, yeah. as you do, right? Um, so it's like friendly. In that sense. Yeah. But I mean, do you, do you feel like for you, you're trying to persuade people necessarily? Like, yeah, I'm trying to get like into yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, what are the different avenues that you take? Yeah. To do that? Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, you're right, it's complicated because um, when we say these things, like, you know, abuse is bad or like um you know making people women feel left out is bad like those are all things that everyone will agree on so i'm not necessarily trying to persuade anyone on these are the bad things and these are the good things but i think often what happens is i'm just trying to share my perspective to particularly the male pastors to help them see this is what i see and experience from my point of view and oftentimes um more than not it is shocking to them and it is surprising because they've just never had anyone say it to them. And so I always talk, I always tell my friends and you know my peers at church that I'm never saying anything that's super new. I'm not saying ever saying anything that's, you know, revolutionary. I'm never making anything that's special, but I think I'm just saying something that a lot of people feel and think. It's just people haven't been given the opportunity and the space to do so. And so if anything, um, I, I don't know why, but you know, when I've been given these opportunities, I, I feel like I really just am speaking on behalf of other women, not just myself. And so, um, yeah, I always say, you know, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of women out there who, if they were given the same opportunities and education and support from pastors that I received, they'd probably say it and do it way better than I could. I think it's just kind of the timing of things, and um, yeah. So I never feel like. I'm trying to persuade people of this, you know, new concept or something grand, but I'm just trying to share from my perspective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you have um, younger people, okay, and you know they're they're learning about this type of stuff, complementarian mm-hmm. male stuff, um, and they're forming their opinions, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they maybe they don't agree. Right? Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you still how do you still like help them? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, taking into account that yeah they're still young minds are still forming yeah. you know, opinions on things mm-hmm. um, but you know you see them going a certain way yeah um, yeah um, I think what I see most with that is um, women or young girls who are younger than me who question why I'm complementarian who they don't understand why someone like me who you know can be outspoken and believe that women should have certain opportunities why wouldn't i just be egalitarian i get that a lot um and so i think when there is someone who disagrees with me um i just try to share them these are my reasons why and these are my convictions but also affirming i understand where you're coming from as well i have been there and i have thought through those things and um you know i i also affirm them that this to me this is clearly a secondary issue yeah, and that we can agree to disagree. And I actually think young people in the church today need to be able to see that there can be disagreement with peace and kindness and grace. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, that's blunt and that's very clear. And, yeah. yeah, that's great. 
Um, you you are theologically trained. Right? <laughs> yeah. You have a what is it a degree? Is it a PhD? What is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm finishing my seminary degree. Yeah. 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 Um, but what would you say to people uh, who are trying to talk to these issues, but maybe they don't feel you know equipped. Like, yeah, equipped. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of women feel that way. Okay. Oh, is it still important to talk about these things? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that can be said that do not require a seminary degree. Um, I think, yes, I have the privilege of being seminary trained, and so maybe I have more language and words to put to the things that I'm thinking and feeling. But I just want to affirm, especially the sisters out there, I, I don't have anything more than you do. Like you are thinking and feeling exactly the same things I am. It's just, I, yeah, I have the advantage of being able to label certain things, but um, you have just as much of a responsibility and a right to be able to share your experiences and perspective as well. And I think, um, you know, go to your pastor and ask them to help you process these things, right? Go to female leaders, you know, other mentors that you may have to help you um, put up words to the th things that you are thinking and um, you know we live in the age of the internet right where there are so many good resources online and so I would say go online um, go to trusted sources right but um, yeah go to see how are other people um, shaping their language their words to explain how they're what they're experiencing yeah okay we're running out of time yeah I'll give you one more maybe this is hard maybe it's easy for you I'm not sure <laughs> is the gospel what, what, is the gospel, what is the gospel and complementarianism and evangelism? Is the gospel bigger than these things or is the gospel these things? <laughs> That's a good question. Because um, you just said it's a secondary Yeah, thing, right? yeah. So I want to hear straight from Sujin's heart. Like, Absolutely. Um, yes, to me, uh, complementarianism, egalitarianism, that's a secondary issue. To me, the gospel is more important. The gospel comes first. But that doesn't mean that these things are unimportant. And I think absolutely the gospel being primary has implications to the very real things in our lives that impact us, such as what gender we are and how that shapes our church experiences. And I think Jesus dying on the cross for us for our sins, absolutely, but I think him being resurrected and bringing new creation to us, that heals every aspect of our life, including the way we interact with each other as men and women. And so absolutely, I believe the gospel is first, but I believe that gender roles, super important. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you.